Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. And those of you who listen to the Greatest Games Podcast know this is a chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game they were a part of. As always, we don't put any limits. It can be their time as an assistant coach, a head coach, a uh, AAU coach, whatever it is they want to talk about and consider to be their greatest game. Chris, I'm pumped up for tonight's guest. We've got Adam Kaplan, who just finished his sixth season as the head coach at Park Ridge High School, located in Park Ridge, New Jersey. Welcome in, Adam. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm looking glad. forward to this. Yeah. Glad, glad, <laughs> glad you're here. I'm, 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 as, as, as I think more of this podcast has been revealed that I'm just learning a ton about New Jersey basketball. So I'm, I'm glad to have you on. I'm going to get to learn more about sectionals and all sorts of group one to group 16. I don't know what's going on in New Jersey with you guys. So I'm excited to have you in here. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Good. All right, coach. Uh, why don't you just give us your resume, your rundown of where you coached and, and how you've gotten to where you are now. Sure. Um, well, if I go, you know, all the way back to my coaching beginnings would have to be, so I was in grad school at UConn. So I went and I'm a psychologist now by profession. So while I was in grad school, I had a friend of mine who was coaching just in the rec league, local fifth grade girls he was coaching and he needed an assistant. So I volunteered, kind of caught the coaching bug. I did um, the next year I coached like a, I think a fifth grade boys team in the local town there. And then um, when I was finishing up my degree and I knew I was coming back to the area because I grew up around here, I reached out to a buddy of mine, um, Chris Kirkby, who was the head coach over at Pascac Hills and uh, asked if I can come volunteer on his team. And he let me come, kind of no questions asked. And I went over to Pascac Hills. I did a kind of a volunteer position for the varsity for about four years. And then the JV spot opened up there. So I did the JV over at Hills for three years while also sitting in the varsity. Um, and then went to Waldwick High School, which was my first head coaching varsity job. Stayed there for three years. And then I'm a Park Ridge resident. And when the Park Ridge job opened up after three years at Waldwick, I loved it at Waldwick. But when the Park Ridge job opened up and I had a chance to kind of stay home, um, I applied for that job and I've been there for the last six years. Nice. Now, were you at Pascac Hills with Chris and then Kevin Kirkby or just under Chris? Yeah, well, it was Chris for six years, and then Kevin was my last year there. Um, so I got one year of crossover. I mean, I, I grew up with both Chris and Kevin, same town. Same oh, so you're a, P, you're a PV guy? I'm a PV guy. I was two okay. years ahead of Chris, and I think four years ahead of Kevin. Okay. Brian, you're learning the basketball. The Kirkby brothers were fantastic athletes at Pascac Valley High School and then coached at Pascac Hills High School. And they're great. They're, you know, we say this all the time, but they're better people than they are coaches. Okay. Oh, that's the best for sure. Yeah. And they're phenomenal coaches. Uh, and Co I will say this also, Coach Kaplan works for one of the great ADs in the area at Park Ridge High School, Chris Brown. Uh, he's a legend and for, for good reason. You know, he's just, uh, he's well known in the county and he's got, you know, some clout, but he's just the most genuine down to earth. Just real one of those good guys that it's just a pleasure to work with. Maybe you could call him up and get some pointers on how to be a good AD, Brian. I need I need as many pointers as uh, yeah, as I can take. I tell you what, uh, yeah, he's, I, he's I, one of the best. 
for sure. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I'm Chris, I'm going to go ahead and jump in here for the Q and a, cause I, I, it, I'm asking selfishly, but I would love for our listeners to hear what makes him a great AD for, for you or you supported. What, what is it about? How can you encapsulate him as a great AD for you as a coach? So first of all, he's really, he used the word supportive, but he, he roots for you. Right. So like, He's got this way of just kind of calming and knowing that he's got your back and he wants you to do well. All right. Like he, I think after my interview, when he hired me, he said like, you're one of my guys now. Mm. All right. And that was from day one. And I felt it, you know, now six years later, it's always, you know, there's the ups and downs in coaching and it never was a doubt in my mind. It's never been a doubt that I'm one of his guys. Right. It just makes me feel like I really belong there yeah. and that the times are good. Great. Times aren't going so good. He's there, you know, to lean on and give support. So it's, it's been, it's really been wonderful. Golly, that's uh, that's really powerful to hear that. And, um, you know, as an AD here in, in South Carolina, I want to be supportive, but tell you what, I might have to steal that one because I do view my, my, my guys and my girls as that, that's hey, that you're, you're, you're on board. Let's go. We're, we're moving the ship forward together, that's you know? So let's go. Right. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. All right, Brian, I'm going to steal one of your questions here because we have, we definitely have a different perspective here with uh, Coach Kaplan, who, like you said, you're a psychologist by profession. That is, most of us are crummy middle school and high school teachers. <laughs> so this is definitely a different angle to get it from. But how do you define success for each team that you coach? It's a good question. So I think, so you said as a team, and I, when you started to ask that question, I was thinking individually at first, right? And so individually, success as me for coaches, just trying to tap in to that thing that's going to really mean something for the, for that player. Right. I even learned that when I was doing the fifth graders, right. I was quickly, very quickly able to see, okay, there's a role for everybody. Right. And to identify that everybody's got some kind of value that they bring something to the team. Right. And to be able to tap into that and have those kids feel good about that and kind of owning that similar to Chris Brown, what he does to me, right. You're one of my guys giving that kind of same message to the team, my team, right? That they're all kind of one of my guys and making them feel supported, right? And so then as a team, if they can come together and do that for each other, right? And grow, of course, the wins are great, but the best teams and the most successful teams I've been around are the ones that want to get coached, right? That want to fill that role, that want to push each other to fill those roles too and really appreciate each other for that. I'm I'm loving 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 everything that you're laying down so far, Coach Kaplan. That's that's fantastic. And I tell you what, um, it seems like you've had a really organic flow into being now a, a, a head coach uh, for the second time at at a, at a school, uh, starting out as a volunteer, moving through to being a JV coach. What were some of the lessons that you picked up that? have served you well now as a head coach of varsity programs, as a volunteer, as a, as a JV coach, as you were cutting your teeth? Yeah. I mean, of course, you know, I grew up playing basketball. I love the sport. I think it's, you know, a wonderful way to, to express yourself out there on the court. You know, I think there's a lot of life lessons that get in basketball that you can take with you in life, which I'm sure are true for other sports as well. Um, but lessons I learned as a coach, and I learned so much under Chris Kirkby, who was the head coach at Pascal Kills for my first six years there. One, he brought such great energy and passion every day, right? You have to always bring it, right? Even as a volunteer, there'd be days where I was just tired coming from my job. Didn't really feel like necessarily hundred percent that day. 
And I'm sure he felt the same way, but you can never tell looking at him, right? It was bringing that passion and that commitment every day because the kids are going to pick up on it, right? And you are their model. So if you're expecting them to bring it every day, you know, you have to be there. You have to be focused. You have to be committed every day. So that was one. Another big lesson is that even though we're bringing it every day, we're working hard and we're busting our butts, there was a lightness that Chris brought to the program and to the team and to his interactions that made it fun for the kids to be there. Right. So yeah, it's about the winning, but if they're having fun, they want to come back. Right. And they're, they're enjoying these moments and they're creating memories. I think that's been really important to me is the idea of what it means to these kids that they're going to take with them after basketball is done. Right. And we can create moments if we can create memories, if we create that they're looking back with fondness over that, right that they feel like they were really part of something special i mean to me that's what it's all about yeah i mean what else is there you know we were talking with the coach a couple of weeks ago on on this podcast and talking about the difficult times that going through COVID 19 and social distancing and and the the reference was basically like we we put our kids through difficult times in practice we're pushing them and you know they may not be able to consciously call on uh, what they were able to push through in those moments. But now going through the difficulties that the world's going through, it's my belief that they can put call on those things, maybe unconsciously and just say, you know, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going, keep going, keep going. You know, oh, what- I had a, so during, you mentioned COVID, so, right? so we're doing a lot of house cleaning and going through old boxes and stuff. And I came across a card from 2011. So it was maybe my second year being JV coach at Pascal Hills from one of my players there. And it was like this two page, like thank you letter he wrote. Mm. And it's just going through. And it wasn't about the wins and the losses, even though we had a great year. It was about coach. You always had my back. You always supported me. Even when I wasn't feeling good, you told me you were going to make the next one. And the way you supported me is stuff I was, I'm always going to bring with me moving mm. forward. Mm. Right. And I, now I remember there was a reason why I kept that card. I'm just reading it again. Yeah. Just brought it back to like, this is really, I mean, it's just really great stuff to be able to do that and have that yeah. kind of impact in some way. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's, it's so, so great to get that feedback. Yeah. Coach, you talked about the keeping it light. I'm going to tell a quick story here. You know, uh, I worked at the University of South Carolina as a, a video coordinator for the basketball team for nine years. And when I was there, I went through three different coaches when I was there, but Dave Odom was the coach most of the time when I was there. We were having a tough season, Brian. I don't know if you were there. It was one of the years you were there. And we were on a losing streak. I don't know, lost five, six in a row, you know. And, it, and when you're in college, there are people are calling the local radio station and saying the coach sucks, the team sucks, all these kids suck. And so we were getting ready for practice, or we were talking about practice the next day. And coach went to the volleyball coach because we shared the gym with them, our practice gym. And he said, can your girls come back for basketball practice? And the volleyball coach was like, why? He goes, I want them to teach our guys how to play volleyball today. And everyone was kind of like, why? And he's like, because we don't need to play basketball today. He's like, we just need to do something light and fun. And so the the guys walked into the gym and the volleyball nets were set up and the volleyball girls were there and they took them through a volleyball practice, showed them how to serve and spike and, you know, but it was just something to lighten the mood. It was just something that was needed. Well, so I'll tell this story. I don't know if I should, but I will. So when we were, before we went on the air, Chris, you and I were talking about the days when I was at Waldwick and we were playing Crestville. And first, you know, our boys at Waldwick had never had the experience of beating Crestville, right? That was the team to beat. That was like, there was all this self-doubt that they had. Could we really compete with this level of talent, with this level of program? And so I'm actually 
we're about to play you guys. It's like close to Valentine's Day in February. And I'm actually texting with Chris Kirkby, right? Who was my friend after I already left. And I'm just going over, what should I do? I don't know how to get these guys to be lighter and taking it easy. And just like half joking around, I told him, well, I should um, bring chocolate to give out to Coach Dodo, who was the coach over at Cresco, right? Just as like a, a joke, right? Right around Valentine's Day. And he's like, oh yeah, hilarious. I'm like, no, actually, maybe I'm going to do that. So I got my kids for the, and, they, and I didn't tell them until it was, handshake time or you know introductions for the starting lineup and i said here's what you're going to do you're just going to take a nice piece of chocolate on a little heart hand it to coach dodo when you shake hands and just say you know happy valentine's or whatever i told them just to keep it light they were we weren't talking game plan we weren't talking about strategy it was just to take their mind off the pressure Mm -hmm. and they all did it and they were cracking up in our huddle and they weren't sure if they can do it i said just do it he'll be no problem and coach dodo kind of played along with it and i think it just got them really loose and all of a sudden, it wasn't about the pressure and the stress. It was just about having a good time. And we came out, and I mean, we really, I mean, that first half kind of blitzed you guys. And I think it really kind of made it possible for us to, to compete that night and got a, get a victory. I think it's, it's so brilliant. I mean, obviously, you're a psychologist. You'll know way more than I will know about this. But there is that, you know, you want guys to be a little bit anxious, a little bit stressed, but it gets to that point where it's just way too much right. and they're, they're falling down. And it's just, and so like, what a, what a brilliant strategy and something fun to just lighten the mood and say, we're that's getting it. The candy. Like, well, that's, 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 uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That, that, that. that time it worked. It doesn't always work, but that one worked. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you tell the stories about when it works. That's right. That's right. Coach, tell us another story. We're going to get to your bad side here. Uh, We want to hear the story of your first technical foul. Guys, I wish I I wish I had a story. I'm still waiting for it to happen. Oh, that's our first one. Yeah. Oh, this is terrible. (laughs) I swear, no tech. Now I will tell you this, Coach Dodo. That game, he did get a technical. I think we might have gotten in his head a little bit with the chocolate. (laughs) But uh, I've had an assistant get a technical on my bench. Um, but I've never gotten one. I've come How close to two times. How did that go? Like I when the assistant I, got I'd it, cap if I'm assistant got a technical foul, I think. So this was I was at Waldorf. We were actually playing at Park Bridge, all right. And so it was a tight game, and I think we were we should have been beating them by a lot, but it was a real back and forth game, and this was late in the game. And Coach Sheridan, who was my favorite assistant of all time, he's still with me, and he's normally very mild mannered. He sits at the other end of the bench. I'm at the, the head, and he likes to sit the other end. And I didn't even see what was happening, but there was a play right in front of him. And he must have said something to the coach, I mean, to the ref, got teed up. And I guess I didn't know what the rule was. So if you're, if there's a, anybody on your bench gets teed up, you got to sit down. Yep. That's the type of coach issue. that I never sit, right? I don't even, they don't even save me a seat because I'm standing and just pacing the whole game. And so that was a really difficult experience. That's what I was most pissed about. Technical fine, he's into it. But the fact that I had to sit for the rest of the game, that's what really got me. We did end up winning that one, thankfully, too. But <laughs> that's one we, we still joke about to this day. Well, uh, I think it's next week or the week after uh, Chris when we have uh, Brett Carey on. He'll have a, another story as, as uh, earning a technical foul as an assistant coach and his head coach turning around and saying to the referee, what did I say? He's like, nope, no, it wasn't you. It was him. <laughs> and so we'll uh, – Yeah, control maybe, maybe, your assistants. You hear that sometimes. <laughs> that's right. So sure. maybe, uh, maybe we'll get to hear that one. So, all right. So you've made it through the gauntlet of the Q&A here, Coach. So let's go ahead and – 
switch to switch gears to the greatest game that you've ever been a part of. And again, if it's the greatest game or greatest games, that's cool with us. And just give us as much background information as you can. We uh, would love to hear more about it. Yeah. The first, sorry, the first uh, one that came to mind was the sectional championship we won when I was at Waldwick. Right. So that was my second year there. And we ended up, I mean, the two years prior, so before I got there, I think they had won like five games in the last three years. In my first year there, we had some good talent, young talent. We got to about 500. And my second year year, year there was when we had a nice run in the sectionals, um, which included beating Cresco in the semifinals, which was a great game, and then making it to the finals against Woodridge. Now, Woodridge is a team, when I was at, even at Pascal Kills and as assistant, Woodridge was always around in the sectionals. They are run-and-gun type of offense, you know, the Rock over there, Coach Renzio, just gets those guys flying around, and they were always a dangerous team. And I was terrified to play them, right? They had <laughs> two guys. So they had Gibney and Wittenauer. I think Gibney was a 2,000-point scorer, and Wittenauer was 1,900-something going into that game. Mm-hmm. Right? So two, like, legends in Bergen County, right? And we have some good talent, but I don't know what we're going to do against those guys. But we have a game plan. The kids really bought into it. You know, specifically around those two kids, it was we got to host it because just the way the brackets fell, right? And this is a sold-out gymnasium. It's on like Fios One, so they're playing it on TV, um, standing room only, and it's just you know the thing that gives you goosebumps just walking into the court and introductions and the kids are going crazy, and it's a back and forth game. And we have our best kid that they're doing a box and one on. They're kind of shutting him down. And I'm getting there. Amadessa. Amadessa, right? And so it's I think. Woodridge is up early, five, six, seven points. And in my head, I'm like, I don't know. How are we going to do this? There's a little bit of a scuffle, and the kid that's guarding Palmadessa gets a technical foul. He gets taken out by coach, and now the whole kind of defense shifts. And now we settle down a little bit. I think we're up maybe three, four, five points at halftime. All right, so I let the kids go in. I'm talking to my assistant coaches. And then one of them comes out, and he says, the kids can't breathe. They're in the locker room, and they just can't breathe. They're so nervous. And I flash back. I feel like this is like the karate kid when you flash back to your training. So I'm going back to my psychology training. I'm like, okay, what am I going to do with kids that are just having kind of panic attacks in the locker room? They can't breathe. I got to pull something out. Right. So I just go in there. All we did at halftime were breathing exercises. Right. We did like mindfulness and we did some breathing and we just kind of settled them down. Right. And we came out and we were loose in that third quarter. Right. And then we got even looser in the fourth quarter. We ended up winning, I think, by. Uh, 68 to 50 and it was just you know they like, the buzzer goes off and their fans come storming the court they're lifting the kids up on their shoulders and like I was talking about before these were just moments and memories that these kids created for their life right and I was I was present to it then and I'm present to it now and I'm still in touch with all those guys that it's something that they're just going to have with them forever and just to be able to help bring that to them was just you know one of the most incredible feelings I've had I tell you what, I've got another question for you now. When is your book coming out? You've you've talked about two strategies: handing out candy before a game, and now breathing exercises at halftime. That was really I, you're you're a man after my own heart. I think that's that thing is fantastic, and I think yeah. it's cool that uh, yes, they they created those memories, but you played a part in helping, like you just said, helping them bring them to that those moments. I tell you what, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. And these are small schools, right? So it's group one schools. They were three of the five starters lived on the same block, like two houses away from each other. Right. So these are kids that literally grew up together and dreamed of being able to do this. And now they, they have it. Right. And uh, 
you know, the, the banners on the wall and they come back. We had our five year reunion a couple of years ago. We'll have a 10 year reunion in a couple of years. And it's just something that, that remains special. We have our group text and, uh, you know, it's something that just makes it so worthwhile. Well, now it's interesting. Now you get to go into that gym once a year in a league game and yeah. play coach Renzio. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> the guy, you know, the guy who, so Brian, are you picking up on that? The guy who we beat. Oh yeah. Adam was at Waldwick. Renzio was at uh, Woodridge. Renzio is now the head coach at Waldwick. Adam's at Park Ridge, but they're in the same league. Right. Yeah. So, so he gets to go to that I don't gym. know if I can't escape him or he can't escape me, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm good friends with him now. He's such a great guy. And, you know, just he's real competitive. and He's always got such competitive teams. And I remember we were up like 14, 15 points with a minute and a half to go, 90 seconds. Then it was like 70 seconds, 40 seconds. We're still up by 15, and I'm still nervous as heck because I know in my mind Woodridge, they can light it up so quick. Right, and so I'm still terrified until that final buzzer went off with with his coach teams. You just you, you never you never feel out of the woods because they can score in bunches, um, and it's so much fun competing right against him and, and the other coaches in our league. It's it's uh, it's a really a lot of fun. And again, Brian, to give you some context on Woodridge at the time, the year before that, they beat us in the sectional final, and then two years later, we beat two years after Adams team beat them, we beat them in the sectional final at Creskill. So they. I mean, they were in the sectional final pretty much almost every year for about a five, six years span there. Yeah, mm. great program you had there. Really good. So take me to the locker room again. The kids are just panicked. Is there anybody in that locker room uh, player-wise that's like, come on, guys, let's get this together? Or all is, is just everybody deer in head? No, it's, it's silence. It's oh, silence. Wow. Now, we have our, our star who, as Coach referenced before, Doug Palmodessa. Now, he's – pretty much cool as a cucumber. I have many great stories about him and uh, maybe I can get into one later about him. But in that moment, I think the whole energy of the locker room was like, Oh my God, we're like two quarters away. Can we actually win a sectional? Right. And all about, all it was about was just like, guys, all we're going to do is breathe. Right. Mm -hmm. Just be mindful. We're going to close our eyes. And I kind of walked them through the steps. It took three or four minutes. Right. (laughs) And then you got the AD saying, okay, three minutes, three minutes left. I said, all right, guys, let's go do it. And we came out there, and we were just flying. Yeah. Really. That's fascinating to me because there's been many a locker room that I've walked into down down at the half or whatever, and kids are just pointing the fingers at each other. You know, it's, to yeah. me, it's the same type of symptom. They're just – their anxiety is through the roof, but it's like, ah, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. It's your fault now. Just, I wonder how many uh, stages they had to go through to get to <laughs> – complete silence like that's right i don't know what, i don't know what's going on <laughs> just, can't, it's, literally it's, can't breathe that's yeah right. yeah yeah fascinating i hate halftime i wish halftime was a minute long just like the break between first and second and third and fourth quarter <laughs> what do you hate about it i did the whole thing like that the nervousness so oh what are we going to say to him what let's just let's play let's go that's you know it. what we're let's, doing like, let's <laughs> play that's it right if we can get the let's play then we're all good yeah it is a it is a challenging time for some coaches, and you know I've some seen, seen some coaches just let kids go in a locker room if it's a I don't know ten minute halftime, let them spend about seven eight nine minutes almost in there by themselves, letting them drink and get hydrated, all that kind of stuff, and then walk in there and essentially, you know, because I mean, again like we're talking about anxiety and stress, like how much are they really hearing at halftime anyway? Like, oh, I'm so glad coach said we need to head the hedge that ball screen instead of going under, you know, like they're not, they're, they're not catching on most of it anyway. So like getting up there right. just trying to keep the energy up and let's go out there and play again. Like it's really probably most of the point anyway. Right. Absolutely. Just get their kind of head straight and kind of, 
you know, you take a moment to kind of decompress, recharge, and as Coach was saying, let's go play. I think, I've, I, think I mentioned it on one of the earlier episodes, Brian. I feel sort of the same way about post-game speeches as well. Mm-hmm. I, I don't talk a lot during post-game. I, I want to address it the next day. I want time for them to decompress, myself to decompress. I'll go home, watch the game probably, and then the next day before practice I'll address what we did well, what we didn't do well. I just think after the game, there's a lot of, yeah, like you said, emotion and anxiety. And, uh, and some coaches go in there and just start talking, and you're like, oh, these kids don't want to hear it. Like, they don't, you know, they want to go home, especially, like, after a loss. Like, they don't want to hear Coach drone on about what we did wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right, they'll, usually, they'll hear enough of it the next day. Yeah, usually coaches are wrong. I know I was wrong. I'd go in there post-game as an early coach saying, well, how do we do this? We need to be better at this. And I go back and watch the film. I'm like, oh. I don't know what I was looking at, what game I was looking at, because we actually did it well, you know, and so it's just. Uh, I actually love going the next day in practice and, and opening it up and let them give me feedback, mm-hmm. right? What do we think we did well? You know, I always start with the positives. I like to do that. So we're, right, even after a loss, what did we do well? And then see where they're at in terms of what they're recognizing, where we got to get better, right? Mm-hmm. What did we do that could have done differently? What do we got to do better today in practice? Some teams are really good at that, right? And those are really great teams that they, they can recognize it. Some of them need some more kind of guidance around that, and that's a skill that some of the kids got to develop. I think ultimately they can take ownership of it. It becomes mm-hmm. so much more powerful. I love that too because it's, you know, that's, that's to me is one of the biggest differences between basketball 20 years ago when I was playing in high school and now it's – and it's nothing um, negative against any coaching that was going on at the time. It was just typically coaches came in and said, this is the way it is, this is what we're going to do, boom. And now in this day and age and what you're doing, it sounds like there, Coach Kaplan, just being able to give kids some ownership and, and a say in this is the direction that we need to go. And now when when you hear them say, yeah, you know, we, we really need to rebound the ball better. Really? So what do we need yeah. to do differently? Well, we put a body on. Okay, let's go work on that. Now instead of saying, we need to stop, we need to balk out. You know, like it's just – it's it comes from within them. I think that is super powerful. No, and I remember when I was a JV coach at, at Hills um, toward the end of the season once, I had a couple of the kids who I knew had potential to be leaders and I told them prior to one of the games, I said, this pregame speech is going to be all yours. Right? I told them the day before in practice, I said, you guys work on it. Don't say what you think I want you to say. Yeah. Right? Come in. You own it. This is your team. You put out there what you think we want to be working on, what you think we want to be focused on. And just to kind of shift their mentality and say, all right, you know, I can own some of this. It's not about somebody having to tell me what to do. I want to think what's important to me, what's important to my team. Mm-hmm. Right? And I, I love those moments. Yeah. Yeah. When I was coaching the freshmen at Creskill, the team, <clears throat> when they were freshmen, the team with Matt Flood and Sean Kelly and them. Uh, yeah. And, and Mike Dodo had told me, you should go undefeated this year as a freshman team. Like, that was the directive. Like, you have to be undefeated. <laughs> we, we only, the only game we lost was the county championship game to St. Joe's. So, we did pretty well. But we were playing Pascac Hills in a regular season game. And we were losing by, like, eight or nine at halftime. And we didn't play well. And uh, – so the kids went in the locker room. I looked at the book for a minute, and I was like, oh, God, we are, like, we're going to lose this game. And I kind of heard a little ruckus in the locker room because, you know, you know, the opponent locker room is right there behind the scores table at Pascal, yep. as you know. Yep. But I kind of heard a little ruckus, and I was like, oh, God, these guys are, like Brian said, they're pointing fingers at each other. Oh, you, you. I walk in the locker room, my point guard, Zach Garcia, the little oh, lefty, yeah. who's yeah. – unfortunately passed away about a year and a half ago. Um, he looked at me, he goes, 
get the bleep out of here. We're not losing this bleeping game. And I went, all right, see you later. The best. <laughs> you loved it. You loved to see that. I loved it. 14-year-old kid pointed his finger at me and said that. I was like, okay, you're good. Yeah. And he meant it, right? Yep. And we came out and won the game. I had no doubt. I could – it wasn't that he said it. It was how he said it. And the That's look it. in his eyes. I knew it was not – it wasn't BS. It was, we'll get this done. That's right. That's the best. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Coach. It's, uh, it's been great to, to have you on here and, and, and talk about the, a little more of the – I love talking basketball, but I also love talking the, the esoteric a little bit and uh, mm. some of those the, – the, the, the space in between, if, if you will. So, Chris, I'm going to jump in here and, and take this one here. So, if, if we were to ask uh, any of your former teams or – uh, any of your former players, is there a motto or a, a mantra that, that you find yourself repeating over and over again or game after game or year after year that, that those kids may say that, uh, that you just keep repeating over and over? Yeah, I think one that I, that I rely a lot on that just kind of comes naturally to me is just the simple phrase of next play, mm-hmm. right? And next play to me represents so much just in terms of mentality. I think it, and it started, you know, early in my coaching career, when kids would make a mistake, often I'd see them looking over to the coaching staff for like some frame of reference, like, are you mad at me? What's next? Did I screw up? And it, it, that kind of always kind of rubbed me the wrong way because I don't want that to be their focus, right? Because that then takes away from what's going on in the court, right? And to me, to try to simplify it is just focus on the next, because everybody makes mistakes, right? That's basketball. That's life, right? If we get stuck in worrying about our mistakes, it's now impacting to the next one to the next one, to the next one. Yeah. So the beauty is there's always a next play. There's always a next game. There's always a next day, right? Mm-hmm. So focus on the one that's right in front of you, right? And I've, I've now started to generalize that. That was at first just when things weren't going well, but I find it just as important when things are going well, right? Not to get too complacent or too content and, yeah, I just made a basket. Let me go high five. It's no, what's the next play, mm-hmm. right? And that's what really makes a winning team is you get one good play, you want another one. Right, you get a stop on defense, you want to not go attack. Right, you get a bucket, you're up four, you want to get up six. Right, it's always focusing on that next play, right, and really just simplifying what's my job in this moment. Hmm. Great way to, to stay in the present. I mean, what other, what, what no, there's no better mantra really for in, in basketball. You know, you know, I'm a, I'm a golfer and then growing up in your right, I mean, like, why, why am I going to worry about the putt I just missed on the next last shot. hole? Like, you know, it's just again, next shot, let's go, yeah. let's go, stay it up right yeah. now. I just, a little hand signal where I just twirl my finger, which kind of symbolizes next play. Mm. Right? It's just very simple. They look, next play, okay, got it, coach. And I like the fact that you talked about doing it after positive plays too. Like, okay, yeah. we scored a basket. Now what's the next thing we got to do? We got to go back and get a stop on defense or get set in whatever our defensive set is. Yeah, yeah that, that's a sign of maturity, right, and really what it takes to get to that level of consistency and really keep pushing yourself. Always want to get better. Always want to do, you know, the right thing in that moment. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll ask you this coach, cause this came up with uh, one of my coaches on staff and we have a big staff meeting every year. And we, uh, we talk about all the things that we need to talk about paperwork wise and everything, all the, all, all the, the, the non fun stuff and always try to finish it up with something that is, is meaningful and had a coach a couple of years ago, basically kind of to this point and trying to figure out how to word this, but like as coaches, we're always, 
um, imploring our kids to, to get better, just 1% better every day, get better, get better. Hey, next play, you know, in this case, we've got, got another play. We've got one stop. Let's get another stop. We got another, let's get another stop. Let's get another stop, you know? And at what point, and I don't know if there is an answer. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. How do we as coaches and even for ourselves and our kids teach them to, or is there room to say, Hey, you've done enough. Like you've, you've just, you've, you've, you've gotten eight stops in a row or whatever. How do we balance that? You got to keep going. You got to keep pushing yours. No, you can't ever stop and rest versus, Hey, stop and rest sometimes. You know, does, does that question make any sense? What I'm saying? It does. And I, and I, I absolutely agree. You want to be able to also appreciate your successes. Mm. Right. And it is finding that balance. It might not be in that moment. Cause I think in any given moment, at least from where I'm coming from in any given moment, of course, I want the best effort. doesn't mean like eight stops in a row and then you give up a bucket that you're going to lace into them. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause again, then it's the next play. Then when we're reviewing maybe after the game or the next day, right, we can go over all the great stuff we've done, all the accomplishments we do and what's next. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and always having the kind of that balance. But I do agree if you, if it's always just about, what's next, right? But then we're missing out on the good stuff along the way, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's, then what's the point yeah. if we're not appreciating, you know, and enjoying what we've been doing? It's a, it's a delicate balance. And again, I don't, I don't, do not profess to know the answer. I think it's always one of those kind of recalibration type things, but just wanted to certainly hear your thoughts on that one. Yeah, and yeah. I did I tell the kids, you know, if the coach is not talking to you and not pushing you harder, probably not a good sign, right? Because then, then maybe they don't think you're capable of doing more. Mm-hmm. Right. So we really want to put the context into why you're being pushed. Right. And to see it as someone who is supporting you. You're one of my guys and I, I know what you're capable of. Right. And I want to be the one to help you get there. I remember a game this year. We had uh, we got one stop in a row. Man, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, we've all been there. <laughs> well, uh, Coach, uh, we want to thank Coach Adam Kaplan for his time and telling us about his greatest game and some of his coaching uh, philosophies and things. Coach, thanks for uh, coming on with us this evening. No, I, I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to talk basketball. It's always that's uh, you know it's a passion, it's fun, um, and it was great to spend time with you guys today. So for my co-host Brian Rosefield. I am Chris de Blasio. Thanks for listening to the Greatest Games Podcast.